Welcome to the Opposed Rolls podcast, post-pandemic-ish. I'm your host, Raleel, and with Bill here, today we're going to be talking about cults by popular demand on the Discord server. Cults are, we feel, a pretty important part of Mithras and are poorly understood. Let's just jump right in. Let's talk about what is a cult anyways. So, Bill, I think probably one of the worst things that comes out of it, honestly, is the word cult. Um, yeah. At least in a, in at least in America, it has a very strong <laughs> connotation that somebody is insane. Um, like they, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's there. They have they have joined some, somebody with some fringe belief system, yeah. and and so that that makes it kind of a hard thing to do uh, over here. Um, so I've been telling people just think of just look put in the word organization um, wherever wherever you see cult. Um, yeah, that, I mean, as, although despite it is Greg Stafford's fault. That's true. That's true, and it's very so. It's a very academic term, right? It like is. it's a, yes, it is. And so, so I mean, I could tell people we'll use the academic term version of the word cult, and nobody would get it still. Um, but the yeah, I think ultimately it's just a, a a people with a set of belief structure, you know, a set of beliefs or a set of goals that they're they're working towards. It does imply an organization. Yeah. Not just a belief. So if you're talking about a cult, then it's an organized system and religion organized yeah. with, I, I don't know, perhaps you could then infer, actually not necessarily, but you might infer, you know, worshippers, you know, organized worshippers, maybe a priesthood, maybe a physical place of worship like a temple, that kind of thing. Right. Because you can think of other beliefs that don't have those things, other belief structures. Plus, cults is used as a global kind of term for all kinds of different types of uh belief yeah. really in the, in the certainly in the system the problem with organizations is that it seems that has a very contemporary feel itself sure so that's that's not quite right either but i don't know perhaps religions you know um or religion yeah uh, yeah, I mean, religion, of course, has the connotation that you're you have some belief in something larger than yourself, right? I mean, you know, you don't think that the 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 guys following the Lich King are religious per se, right? Like they've got a yeah, right. Yeah, or or you know, and the I th I think I think the point is that people shouldn't get hung up too much on the word cult and and kind of put put whatever their whatever in their mind says. There is a structure here, and and the that's that structure is what's important, and you could name it whatever you like in your particular word world, right? I mean, the distinction between cults and brotherhoods in the books is just does it have magic or not, um, and that's that's a that's a pretty pretty small thing. Yeah. Um. So so we have you know we have a lot of stuff that came from Stafford from. RuneQuest, right? We had, you know, Cults of Prax and Cult of Terror and so on and so forth. I was just going to start thinking about things that are outside of RuneQuest that might look like a cult. 
of any variety, right? Like, okay, is you know, you know, is is the are the are the Vikings swearing allegiance to a lord? Is that uh, is that a cult or is that a brotherhood? Right? Or, you know, is that some sort of organizational it's, structure? Yeah, I mean, you could you. It's the, certainly the way that you might think of it is an organization or a yeah. maybe in that case a brotherhood for sure. I mean, it's I mean the Vi Vikings themselves. I mean, I was thinking about this about but if you were running a Vikings campaign, would you have cults in the way that Mithras defines it? I'm not so sure. I think you probably would. I mean, certainly if you were doing a mythic Viking sort of thing, you would probably have you'd probably use Gothar or something like that to to kind of structure religious beliefs around i mean they had the whole temple of Uppsala and, and that business mm. that that they would probably walk through um but would you do it would you do it for lords right like you swear to harold bluetooth you know no, you swear loyalty. I, I don't think so uh, only uh, because i mean you'd do it you'd, you'd i would use it as i would think of it as an organization but not yeah. as if we're talking about especially if we're talking about the relationship between magic and cults I would not structure a an oath of allegiance, or I wouldn't shape it into a cult as such. I don't know. I might do that, right? Like you got to think that, like if you are, if you are a, a, you know, some some farmer, and you swear an oath of allegiance to Harold Bluetooth, you gain some benefit out of that, right? Like there is, there's a, there's. You, you know, you're not probably Harold's not going to be bestowing theism on you or anything like that, mm. or or folk magic. But he might he might say, well, because of your allegiance, I'm going to give you a sword, right, or something like that. Yeah. And and then you prove yourself in battle, and he's all like, well, because you proved yourself in battle, you get you get a, a coat of mail. And 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 then you prove yourself in battle again, and undertake some missions. Like, well, now you get the, the get the ability to go collect taxes on these lands, and of course you get a cut off of that, and that starts to look like a progression for, you know, a brotherhood. I mean, it's not magic, but it's it's yeah. definitely you're getting something out of the deal. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in in that case, yes, it does. That kind of thing qualifies as a. As, yeah. a, as an organizational brotherhood i mean the way it's described in mithras is cults, cults and brotherhoods yeah 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 so the, there is the, they do mithras makes this distinction between magical and non-magical organizations brotherhood, yeah i think i think in the the mythical uh mithras next version <laughs> the one that we're gonna we're gonna kickstarter for for the tome <laughs> Okay. That one, I think, I think that one, honestly, I would uh, degloranthin that entire chapter pretty heavily. Uh, so you you would see these together as organizations, and you wouldn't make this distinction. Yeah, um, I mean, be, partially because I mean, we we kind of hinted at this at the beginning because that language is pretty academic, right? Like that notion of a cult is pretty academic. And you said, well, that organization has a modern feel of it. I'm like, I'm communicating to a modern audience and that's just how I would look at it, I guess. You know, mm -hmm. and of course that's gonna mean something different in somebody else's language, right? Like you're you're over in the UK and I'm over here in the US and we're separated by a common language, right? Like we, we do a pretty good job of, of having different toned problems and mm -hmm. uh so, so I, I, you know, I feel like there, you have to find something a little bit more neutral in there. Yeah, I, I, I take the, I take the point. I suppose it's still, you know, it's whether it's how how neutral you think of the rules 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was, no, that's true. I still carry some baggage, certainly from Glorantha. I love that's just the way that I think about the system. No, absolutely, absolutely. And and I, I mean, I did I did some RuneQuest long, long time ago, but it it didn't cement in me like five iterations of advanced dungeons and dragons and the four iterations of regular D D and uh all of the other variants that i've played over the years because you know i grew up in the midwestern united states right mm. that was that was what we had so yeah it's a very different perspective so bear that in mind when you're going in and talking about the cults um you may your your perspective may change right i do remember a disclaimer about i don't even remember if it was on the cults of practice book but they said at the time that they published it they knew that i mean chaosium knew how confusing this term would be but i'm pretty sure they put a disclaimer in the book but you know so they said well we know this is going to have all these associations but we're still going to use the term anyway and we're going to publish another book called cults of terror <laughs> but and i i, I wonder <laughs> I wonder how deliberate that was. In, in other words, that well, we're gonna, we are going to publish something that is going to catch, pe hopefully, going to catch people's attention. Um, oh, that's true. So, in in the same way that TSR kind yeah. of, on the one hand, you know, they courted all, you know, they got that attention because of deities and demigods and 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 the stuff that happened around that. I, I just wonder if it was perhaps deliberate, knowingly that they were going to get pub. I don't think they did get any extra publicity from it, but but anyway, and it I don't think Mithras makes too much of a big deal about it. They use it as a as a term in the in the rules without without sort of apology or. Well, so so cult or brotherhood or organization or whatever we want to call this, um, you know, we should probably we should probably talk a little bit about the structures that that get involved in this and. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Bill kind of uh, alluded to. Uh, this before but there's this comparison to classes and this has got to be the thing that comes up on it comes up on discord an awful lot um just i because in cla classic fantasy uh god bless rodney leary he did a, a fantastic job of pooling the whole notion of a cult into a class and like putting that structure in it so i just tell people look just think of it as a class right like you can think of it as that structure that you can manipulate however you like it's not the only structure by any means but mm -hmm. because so many people come into mithras from some other role-playing game and the most popular one by a long shot is dungeons and dragons i just tell them just think of it as a class mm -hmm. just build a class that's all that is i think there's kind of an important distinction that in in dungeons and dragons you go and do things you get experience and when you when you get to a certain level of experience you get better right that's the that's the way that goes you you get powers there's no there's no training or anything. There used to be training, but they kind of got rid of that stuff because people didn't like it. With with a cult, you get experience, and that experience doesn't do anything until you spend it, right? Like you spend it on skills, or you maybe you spend it on getting spells. The difference is that you don't advance in the cult until after you spend it, versus in D&D, you don't advance in your class until you accumulate a certain level of experience. So it's it's subtly different, but I think I think even just that little bit will help kind of put it into perspective for folks, right? It become experience becomes a resource to spend rather than just a thing that you accumulate on your sheet. So maybe that'll maybe that'll help folks. Yeah, I, I think the class analogy. I mean, that's long been something that's said of 
of how to think about cults in the older RuneQuest. Yeah. It's, yeah. And and the thing is, in in Glorantham RuneQuest, you, everybody would be a member of some cult or other. Right. You'd. Well, I can't think of a if you were playing a kind of game in Glorantham, it basically defined who your character was. Yeah. Um, in a very definite way so that you kind of knew who you were by your association with your god uh and now mithras is definitely different you know because there aren't those assumptions at all because now you're more defined by your background career itself is kind of not part of it's not wasn't part of runequest 2 but it became part of runequest 3 so mithras is structurally based around runequest 3 was it uh did they like introduce multiple cultures in between runequest 2 and runequest 3 and decided to make that a part of it like but like did they like expand the world and now you have people with different cultures from coming in and everybody's like i want to play this people from over here and suddenly okay well now we have a we need a game structure for that is that kind of how that worked yeah i mean yeah those those distinctions didn't exist in runequest 2 so the okay. whole the, the the culture breakdown, whatever it is, primitive, nomadic, barbarian, civilized, that is all it's exactly the same in Runequest three. Although okay. how it is handled is different in Mithras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those uh culture distinctions got put into Runequest three and then they became a way of thinking about those cultures in Glorantha. That's kind of how okay. it worked. But also it was a the cultural distinctions were brought in at the same time as this idea of mythic earth uh, right. was introduced. So Vikings is a is a RuneQuest three production. So right. is the the Japanese, which was called Land of Ninja, uh, was uh, uh, <laughs> oh uh, yeah. So it was so very a product of its time period. Yes, uh, that uh, I can't still can't quite believe they did that. But I mean, and that was very much based on Bushido. It was written by the same the same person that wrote Bushido then was the main writer i think in in that production for request three nice. although it's it's nowhere near as as detailed as bushido They're really quite quite different anyway well that just begs for a begs for a one on culture and we can go talk yeah. about how <laughs> about about the problems of culture and dealing it with like that yeah <laughs> Who would if you want to go if you want to go read about that go search culture on the discord and we have a multiple day discussion about it it's uh it's yeah. pretty it's quite the topic yeah not that wasn't that wasn't very contentious at all um <laughs> But any, anyway, that I don't know. How did we get into talking about that? I've got to get away from talking about Request Two and Three. I mean, it's difficult nah, to avoid. Nah. But I, so I think I think though that that's important for the context of this, right? Like mm. that that's that. I mean, that language gets carried forward yes. along as you go. And I mean, it's not like they tore down all of their house rules that they that they built the system on and and like we're going to redo the whole thing mm. i mean we it's very clear that this comes directly from from legend which had some some pieces that came from somewhere else right and there there's a there's a whole way that pete and laws and and the whole crew really thought about this and that's important i think for that context and we shouldn't we shouldn't dismiss that at all, right? That context is important to understand why things are like they are. Yeah. It, this is not something that got invented out of whole cloth that d- doesn't have a precedent. I mean, even though it was 
But you could say that RuneQuest 3 was supposed to be setting neutral, but it just didn't get very far. I mean, the fact that, that, that Mythic Earth, you know, the idea of that gets introduced with RuneQuest 3 is exactly what Mithras, it's a big part of what Mithras has done. Yeah, you know, with, yeah. with with all the with the mythic earth series that comes from RuneQuest 3 that even just mm-hmm. that idea comes from RuneQuest 3 and you've got you know vikings of legend you do have a japanese setting that uses legend yep. i don't know if there are any others from legend that are kind of mythic earthy i don't think there are i mean there's like deus fault and and uh that that has some right. mythic earth overtones, but not exactly right. Mm. Like it's a little bit more fantastical than the other ones. Yeah, I mean, there's the uh, there's the stuff from basic role playing, of which you know, Mythic Rome is is one. So sure, yeah, Mythic Rome yeah. started as BRP basic role playing, and uh, actually, having said that, I don't know if there is another one. There isn't another Mythic Earth. Well, BRP. so BR, BRP also had Mythic Iceland. Oh, which yeah. at this which at this point I want, I'm going to call it the mythic mythic Iceland because <laughs> there was there was an original one and then they say we're going to redo mythic mythic Iceland and then I have been waiting for that <laughs> since I started Mithras okay. and that's been almost a decade now. <laughs> wow, was it under discussion that long ago? Uh it's been it's been gone for a good long while, yeah. The shortly when when after RuneQuest 6 became Mithras there was a whole mythic Iceland thing and then and I haven't seen a single a single thing hit not a preview not a picture not a thing so okay, okay. well it's, it's like okay it sometimes these books take a while I'm I'm still waiting for mythic Greece too so I can't really <laughs> throw any stones no yeah mythic Greece um so okay so let's get this back on track <laughs> where do we where do we get to we so- Look, look, guys, we haven't actually done a podcast in a year and a half, <laughs> so so we have a lot of digression to go here. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, well, don't worry, well, this will be edited out, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, nah, honestly, I love this part of the podcast. Keep it, keep it in. Where do we get to? So, so, so cl- cl- okay. we had a discussion about classes yeah. being, a, being a kind of a an analogy for cults or really right. it, was, it was it was originally it was RuneQuest's way of giving you a class right of, right it of. was an expression of that right um and i mm-hmm. i think i think some of the like if you look at the the 13th age glorantha book um the cults map pretty directly to classes right like they have classes mm. um you know they have a, a berserker analog and a, and all of that uh yeah yeah you, did I forget? I I my Glorantha and Laura is awful, so I'm not going to even really spend a lot of time on it. But they they split it up in that fashion. So I oh, think yeah. I think if I yeah. think if you think about it as a as a as a class, if you come from that D and D background, and if you come from that D and D background and you don't want classes, then don't think of it that way. Think of it as something that you can flexibly uh, manipulate as much as you want. So I mean, like one thing that you can do to make kind of tune your 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 cult and kind of give it the right feel is is so you you can put magic in it right or you can put gifts mm. um either one of these things will kind of kind of help structure it and kind of give it some stuff and and of course you're not limited to any one particular kind of magic can i can i just go back to something that you said earlier so absolutely <clears throat> please uh... i mean this <laughs> welcome to opposed digressions we're um <laughs> because you made an excellent point about spending experience. Okay. So you said the comparison. Wow, I made an excellent point. That's <laughs> yeah. good. So you said in, in D&D, okay, so you progress in your level in your class. 
Right. Just simply by acquiring experience, your level goes up. Okay. Right. And therefore, you gain all these things. You gain powers by leveling up. Okay. Right. But you said that in in a in a cult or an organization, you get the experience and then you you choose to spend it on let's say skills or something yeah. else. So what's interesting about that is that progression is in in a cult or an organization is is actually tied to skills. Sure. So the higher skilled you are, then the more chance you have at progressing upward in the ranks. But you choose how you're going to spend that experience. So let's say actually that you were less inclined to spend it on those cult skills and more on other things like, so for instance, buying, <laughs> sounds very strange, but buying a miracle, okay, or buying uh, that you know, let's say you want to acquire the knowledge of a miracle and that costs yeah. you, I think the default cost is five experience points. Yeah, five, five. XP. Five, five for the big magic, right? So Yeah, that doing that does not help you advance in the cult. It just makes right. you more powerful. Yeah. So, and you could... And unless you have a cult, a cult that says you have to know this miracle to be able to do it. Right, right. Like you... sure, okay. That, that, and that may, be, that may be the case. But, uh, so, there is... Now, yeah, I mean, you may or may not like that. Um, but, um, what it does is it actually gives you the choice, you're, as a player or a character, do I want to kind of stay around this level and get more stuff that I can use... Or am I yeah. more interested in in maybe advance? Maybe you'd call it like a political advancement, getting right. getting right. more skills, and maybe you could you could extrapolate that into into building connections or relationships. Maybe, yeah. especially if you then also bought training in those skills, then you'd be spending more time, let's say, with your temple or you know with your organization or whatever climbing up that kind of ladder in terms of you know advancement where yeah, it, give, it gives it a different dynamic that you can work on right it moves it moves beyond personal power i mean many gamers are like i've got this stuff on my sheet right like if i increase my skills you know that makes me better and that's what i want out of it and that's fine right like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that um but it gives the opportunity for the GM and, and a player who's interested in that sort of thing to kind of say, look, if you want to, if you want that, there's a different progression that goes on goes on to that. And you can allocate your experience points towards that, um, giving them, you know, giving them political power or maybe there's something else that they gain out of out of advancing in the cult. Maybe they just want to, like, dabble in that one cult and they're like, oh, I just want to go to the point because I really like this power. Um, and give them that customization that they like, and then they can move on to a different one. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no particular reason why you couldn't necessarily. I mean, apart from splitting your time, maybe you could, of course, be a member of multiple cults. Yeah. Not, but maybe at a at a low, like an, an at an initiate level or even lower to get some benefit that you wanted. It, right. And, and what right. that would mean is you wouldn't be particularly. You know, you wouldn't have a lot of say in the in the organization. You know, maybe you personally, your character didn't count for much. But what you were interested in is getting this little thing, whatever that yep. was, you know. And you could certainly do that, particularly in, I mean, this is where the idea of a, a pantheon of gods, let's, if we're talking about religions or cults, sure. comes sure. in. Yeah, because fine. It would be easier. I mean, one conceit, conception that the older Gloranthan cult structure had is if the, if you were a member of this cult which was associated with this other cult then you could also you got access to some of their miracles 
Right, right. Which you could think of as, okay, if I, I'm a member of this, trying to think of a Greek example, you know, if you remember of, trouble is, none of the Greek gods got on with each other particularly well. <laughs> but you could, I don't know, if you think about like a hero cult. If, well, how about how about Apollo and, and, uh, and uh, Artemis? Okay. They're brother and sister, right? Sure. Right. Like you might, you might, they get, and they got, they got along with each other. And so you might, if you were a member of the, the Apollo cult, um, you might get some minor benefits from the Artemis cult. Yeah, precisely. You get a miracle that was associated or, or yeah. maybe, or maybe not a miracle, maybe, uh, a skill, skill training, or you got cheap or, skill training, you know, to do with the moon. Yeah. Or <laughs> shelter in the temple or, yeah. or, 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 you, or, could, you, know, or you could recover your, um, your divine pool by praying in a, if you were like an Apollo yeah. follower of Apollo, well, I, I could go to the temple of Artemis to recover my um some of my divine pool yeah uh, maybe maybe it's good for good for half your divine pool right or or yeah. something like that or you can go and you can get healing at discounted rates or something like yeah. that from the associated cult yeah some some it's like oh yeah yeah we'll respect that because they're they're siblings and they get along and all that right hmm. that ends up being a, a lot of customization that you can have for for the player or for the game and that i mean that comes that's good part and bad part right i love the customized stuff but some people like looking like oh my gosh there's so much to so much to kind of take in there i have to really think about this and it think, can take a while yeah i think that's the, the uh, you know and maybe we'll talk about this in a bit about the fact that there is no or or where are where are the where are the models of where are the cult examples yeah uh, there's yeah. not there's you know deliberately there isn't many in the rules going back to that uh that associated cults thing that seems like the sort of uh, that seems like a pretty good place where um if you had and i'm going to stick to the theism example mm-hmm. mostly uh, we'll probably use a lot of theism example because um that is probably the most clearly defined of the with the cult structure right and and it, that's you know that has a lot of historical precedence that comes along with it right from from RuneQuest. Um, but that seems like a good sort of place where if you were a priest of Apollo, you could go over to the Temple of Artemis and you could learn folk magic spells there, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're never going to be, you're never going to advance up the, the cult in there, but they maybe they teach folk magic spells to their lay members and to associated pantheon, you know, associated gods in their pantheon. And then you have the, the big magic, the theism, um, or you know what, or whatever the other you know magic that is, you put that into the higher levels of the cult, uh, you know, to show to, to show that no, 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 really, I'm a priest, right? Like, or I'm really, I'm I'm devoted to this deity. That's mm-hmm. a reward for that is that you get a lightning bolt, right, or something mm-hmm. like that, which is is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, compared to you know disruption. No, yeah, absolutely. You can do that. I mean, if you're again, you know, if you're prepared to do that, prepared to kind of think out your whatever your campaign is, th- that it, it creates a bit of a, it's a bit of world building. It gives you a nice bit of structure there to make kind of sense of your organizations, your cults, and th- and that's part of the success of I think of the way Glorantha does it. It creates this very concrete sense of a wider community you know and they're associated yeah. cults so it's yeah. it's uh it's a kind of clever way of of, of building that kind of structure in uh, not, uh cool i think i think an interesting example um and i'm going to switch over to brotherhoods a little bit here because we've been talking a lot about theism and mm-hmm. magic but i think i think uh i think we should 
talk a little bit about the brotherhoods and how they kind of define it as having magic and non-magic right mm -hmm. um but honestly um so so f and they have they have some examples of like hospitality and whatnot and and for certain kinds of games those are good um for for some games they may want the players may want more personal power sort of stuff right like they're they're used to that satisfaction and this is uh this is a this is honestly a good place for folk magic mythic britain actually uh, in the companion you go look at the cult of mithras in the in the mythic in the mythic britain companion they actually do this is that that all of the all of the the cult is non-magical but you learn some folk magic things they're folk magic level power stuff but the this it is defined as now these aren't really magical this these are special techniques or whatever that that you can learn right some of them are pretty straightforward like you know blade sharp seems like the sort of thing like if you spend some time sharpening your blade you get this benefit out of it right um but there there's a whole host of other things it's a good way to kind of uh build up a brotherhood with pseudo magical powers that you can define as now really these are non-magical yeah it's a it's a good way to kind of if if you're you if you're used to a dungeons and dragons type of thing it's a good place for like you your 5e abilities are all pretty close to folk magic um like like you know class, class benefits the plus ones and plus twos and whatnot are all pretty close to folk magic mm -hmm. level stuff okay. so you can build a cult just based off of that alone right like you've got you know, a whole a whole host of abilities that you've kind of distributed over the ranks and some of them can be folk magic and some of them can be things like you get a horse mm -hmm. um depending on whatever your campaign is mm. Yeah, that's an, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. The change, this is another example from older RuneQuest where folk magic, in terms of the differences, so folk magic is a powered down version of the older battle yeah. magic or spirit magic. And personally, I like the fact that it is low powered. The rules call these things either either potentially kind of tricks of some kind or cantrips. They're sort right. of ubiquitous magic which could be could be magic but could be little tricks or devices or you can imagine them as you can imagine them almost as gadgets or maybe actually as gadgets. i i actually love the gadget idea for that hmm. uh that's like you you can absolutely see some of these being gadgets like but you know what is it a uh, befuddle like yeah. you know that's pretty close to a stun bomb right like that's it's yeah. it's really my really very much in the same thing or or there's a knock spell well that's a lock picking device yeah um these things are pretty easily transportable over there at, i have several notes in my my shadow punk business where i like oh just use folk magic for devices yeah. that should be fine yeah yeah absolutely yeah they it, they don't compete with uh, miracles uh, no, as they, they because they kind of used to, or the equivalent of folk magic used to compete with what was what was called divine magic, where yeah, it was scaled, right? Like like yeah. battle magic scaled. Yeah, you could I mean, you, you could have very powerful, effectively very powerful folk magic spells, yeah. and the, you know uh, I think Hanu has recently published a a kind of chart of how to convert fo current folk magic into pro what's called progressive folk magic yeah where yeah you, you can you can keep adding the that's right like like boy like you know the people would always get like their blade sharp 10 and the the mad the spell was putting more damage into it than the weapon itself and it was yeah. you know cut through <laughs> just about anything right yeah and yeah it's it's you know there's all kinds of things that mithras does with i mean mithras magic does not stack 
I think. I mean, that's one of the principles. Yeah, where... I think it, I, I think it generally does not stack, mm. or mm. it's it's always almost always highest intensity is the or highest magnitude one of the two. Yeah, correct. It, yeah. That one that one overrides it. So so almost to a fault, the 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 big magics will overwrite folk magic. You know, pretty much instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll override it just about every time. You know, something that you can, is often said of Mithras that uh, I certainly see people saying, and it's kind of it's partly true, is that there's no balance in the. You know, yeah. people ask about uh, how do I balance this with this, and you know, a common thing that we all might say is, oh, it's forget about balance. There's no balance, and uh, that's not entirely true because if you look at something like this, if you look at folk magic in contrast to miracles there is an attempt at, 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 at kind of inverted commas balancing these off you know folk magic is deliberately depowered yeah to, to make it this different kind of thing to distinguish it from miracles there is a notion there that i mean there's there's some 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 base level setting that goes involved with it i mean they, yeah. if you kind of look through the folk magics there's a few examples in there that are pretty close to a special effect. Like they're they're very they're very very close to it. Like the the shove is very pretty close to a trip and um, the the there's a, there's another example in there that I think I think is really good that you can kind of say okay that's where the balance point is for those. That's, there's some parity there. Um, that should kind of help people get an idea of yeah uh, yeah and the the folk, folk magic is easier to learn. There's one skill yeah. as contrasted with all the other traditions of magic which you need two two skills and yep. each skill yep. does something different so it's a lot more kind of straightforward to to pick up and, yeah. and learn yeah and okay it's not as powerful you know it's not you're not going to get a lightning or sun spear from you know there's nothing anywhere close to that powerful in in folk magic so no no um, nothing at all nothing at all which uh, that makes it more attractive as something that can be partnered with miracles because yeah, they're, they're yeah. distinct different things. So they're, oh, not, yeah. they're not treading on each other's toes. In the case of theism, they're even probably pulling out of different magic pools, right? Like that's, yep, they are, yeah. that, that makes them, makes them a lot more uh, attractive uh, to, to play with. You can, you can use disruption or, or you can use blade sharp most of the time. And then you, sometimes you got to, you pull out the big gun, right? So mm-hmm. for the, for the big bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have fewer, you know, your divine pool is going to be smaller than your magic pool. Yeah. But the spells are going to be, or the miracles are going to be much more powerful. Um, we, we, we had really good success with that in, in my Thenlock campaign. We had at least two priests. We might've had a third one. I'm trying to remember. We had what well, we had one of a of a knowledge god, and he he would pull out his big gun pretty regularly to make people into idiots. He used mind blast, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think okay, mind yeah. Mind blast, yeah. And th- and then we had we had one who was uh, he was a priest of a deceit god of some kind. And then we had then we had a, a ranger type guy who only had folk magic, but technically he was in a cult, right? Like he was mm. it was. It had some light magic in there, and then we had a couple of people who were in brotherhoods. Like I made everybody be in cults right off the bat. Um, it's like no, you have to be in a cult; it's required. But then I incentivized it. Right, like if you join the cult, you get some of this. Right, and they're mm-hmm. like they're pretty good with that. Um, and I did. I did end up putting some restrictions on them 
in there. Like I, I mirrored the, I think I mirrored the one of the Brotherhoods based on the Miros uh, red cloaks. They're the guards around Miros, and then, of course, the Knowledge God guy had had a set of stuff like he, you know, he couldn't destroy writings, and and you know had that sort of thing. And the Deceit God had another set of stuff that he had to do. Those those things really kind of fleshed out those characters a bunch. Um, I think that, I think this is one place a GM can really jump in there and kind of give it some shape and some feel. And you have the right kind of player, of course, you can talk to them and say, like, this is about structuring it, right? Like this is this is where you have your wizards can't wear armor, or your monks mm-hmm. can't wear armor, or you know, yeah. you join some. Gosh, 3.5, I'm going to date myself here, but you join some prestige class and there's a set of restrictions that, that are going to go on that as well. But there's a, there's a set of things that give it some structure uh, and bind it to a society if you're playing that sort of game, right? Like you're just mm-hmm. not a bunch of adventurers going from place to place to place. Yeah, it, it does raise the question of uh, if you are trying to model real organized, sorry, historical organizations or religions, it does raise the whole question of um, it raises the question of 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 how well the system models that kind of historical reality because you don't get these kind of benefits in in historical organizations and where you get you get things like you you given permission you're allowed to do certain like if you're a member of a guild yeah means, oh you're yeah. allowed to do that kind of thing <laughs> and that's it ac- <laughs> ac- access is the power right like that's yeah. that. Yeah, that access is the power is the thing. I'll, although my my work keeps on telling me with my next promotion that I'm going to be able to use Sunspear. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool, actually, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's most, you know, as a lot of it is about, pro- I was thinking about it when you were talking about prohibitions. It's actually a lot, there's a lot of, pro- there's probably a lot more prohibitions involved in a, in a in an organization or a cult than there are potential benefits i mean maybe access is one but then everything else is prohibitions or or the the worship because it seems to me that if you're talking about um you know ancient religions you know a lot of it seems to be that you worship this god simply to stop bad things happening sure (laughs) not that you were trying to get you weren't trying to get a you're not going to get lightning bolt but yeah. maybe your whatever your house is going to be protected against lightning. Maybe, you know. Right, uh, right. And if and if it wasn't, well, too bad. <laughs> you must have screwed up somewhere. You know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's that's a that's a good point. I mean, a lot of this stuff was was built around the built around the you know uh, a lack of scientific knowledge, and so you go through these processes of doing these rituals in hopes that the gods are going to leave you alone right yes um and, and you know the that propitiation of of them um and this is i mean that just you know throwing the magic into into it kind of just takes it to a new level it's it's no longer we're dealing with science i mean that stuff is real right like that's mm-hmm. that's the whole point of these games is that we can do that sort of thing yeah i mean the Mo- monster island does that a little bit with their with their cults. Yeah. So that yeah, I think I think they kind of hit hit on that pretty hard in, in Monster Island. Yeah, there's not none of those cults you'd want to be a member of, particularly, probably, um, except for maybe one or two. They will have a, a side of them that's not too pleasant, and they're all there to, uh, for the most part, well, not for the most part, but partly they're there to just kind of keep those gods quiet. 
Is it, is it, I mean, that's kind of an, I mean, that's an interesting example in and of itself, right? Like if we look at those, those cults, you join those cults as a lay member and you venerate that, that deity to avoid stuff happening to yeah. you, yeah. but you don't progress up in the cult because a lot of those are quite unpleasant in whatever fashion, right? Okay. Like they're, they're morally reprehensible or ethically irreprehensible. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of makes this majority of this the people are there just to donate magic points to the people that are in the upper parts of that <laughs> echelon, right? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah, that's that's and so and yeah, that that is kind of interesting and in, in and of itself, I think um, it may it mean it means that you those restrictions that come in those cults, what you what you've got to do when you get into the upper ends of those cults, so to get actual power out of that become can become quite onerous i mean one of the monster island ones is like you can only eat flesh of corpses or something like that if i remember correctly i'm like oh right they all have some awful uh limitation or or thing that you have to yeah. do or depending on who you are i mean it, it, for certain types of campaign yeah i mean uh omg uh, taboos eating anything which is not the liver of your enemy or the flesh of animals is forbidden yes <laughs> Except for beer, beer is okay, right? Like, I think I think <laughs> oh, he's yeah, just beer. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, although the consumption of alcoholic beverages based on vegetable matter is still permitted, yes. You know, also never show <laughs> never show your back to the enemy. So you know, or else dot dot dot. Um, we don't know. So that I mean, that's another another thing actually from the old from the old cults is a spirit of reprisal. Uh, idea. If you break cult taboos then the cult sends a spirit after you and does something awful that you probably won't survive so you know you may want to break some of these taboos but something bad is going to happen to you so so i mean i mean this kind of begs the question for me but um if we're if we're looking at at cults and we're looking at restrictions and i'm thinking about as this player is like i don't like restrictions on myself i mean mm. I'm a horrible player like that, but, but, uh, having the, you know, how do you talk about this to a player who says, I don't want to join a cult. Um, and perhaps they don't say, I don't want to have restrictions on me, but, or, but they're like, oh, I don't want to be a part of society. Like, you know, we, as, as much, as much as we say, well, you don't have that player at the table. That's not always really a good solution mm -hmm. for, for it. So, so how, how do we, how do we like sit down and, court that player and get them to kind of you know play with this notion of of the cult structure um i don't know. i mean yeah i mean is is do you mean someone who doesn't even want to be a member of an organization you know not yeah i mean like you know there's there's always that 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 guy who comes in is like well you know i was an or i was an orphan and i'm not from this around this area you know i'm uh, the the medieval Clint Eastwood walking into town, you know, the man with no name, so to speak, right? We we have all sorts of pejorative uh, things for that in the community, but we're not going to really diss those people too much. We're just going to say, hey, let's build something around you. That so I mean so I mean for for I, here's where I would start with it. I think I would say, look, you're going to be a member of a cult, but we're gonna we're gonna help you're gonna help customize this. And I need and as the GM, I need this so that you have some backstory that comes along with it. Mm. That 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 kind of helps me build stuff that interacts with you, 
in more than just at the end of your sword. Mm. Like you, even even the even the characters that are like that in media almost always have a dark backstory that defines them, right? That that helps define. You know, they have somebody that's coming after them. They left they left some organization and and there was dangerous there was dangerous stuff there. Um, I just got done watching Samurai Champloo here over the last couple of weeks. Both of those characters are sort of loner or you know both of the male characters in there are very much loner characters and they they're in, they belong to some cult um or at least, at least Jin does definitely. But you can't you don't know what that cult is, right? You don't know anything and it gets developed over the course of the of, over the course of the episodes, right? Like there's a backstory and there's definite cult structure there. He's a master. He killed his master. Um, spoiler alert for people who haven't watched it in the last 18 years. I think that's a thing that you can kind of do it um, with them. It's like this: there's something back there for you. Yes, uh, yeah, certainly like an organization or a cult that you used to belong to and that maybe that you've left. Like if you are a player that just doesn't like yeah. the idea of of being a member and having to follow these things, then certainly you could, well, actually you're a former member and because of that, you've learned these skills or you have, you have access to these skills at a low level, or maybe also, you know, I mean, it could be like a mystic, a mystic order. You'd know some of the kind of principles and you'd know how to advance yourself. I mean, mysticism seems to me like a, in terms of a system, I suppose, is something that you can do by yourself. Yeah, or 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 with a with a scroll or something like that. You have a yeah. scroll or a tome, and 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 you you have there's a set of advanced techniques in the book, and you don't understand or do how those techniques yet, and it requires time, skill, and patience and experience mm. to to develop that stuff. For 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 sor for sorcery and mysticism, I think both of those really lend themselves well to that notion of I have the knowledge with me. But I do. I it is inaccessible yet, right? Mm. Like it's, I don't understand the dark secrets yet. Yeah, or you could have. I mean, uh, with a sorcerer, it could be. Well, you, you do have a patron. I know D and D has this kind of model. Uh, this is quite an old idea that you your knowledge and power comes from a demonic sure. source entity or whatever, and you you do maybe have contact or communication with that source. So if you're a player interested in power, then the, and but you're not in an organization, then the, there's definitely ways of doing that. I mean, you can just it, basically you have a relationship with one NPC without without any of the other ties. But maybe that NPC is dangerous. Yeah. For instance, or maybe there's a another agenda or a uh, yeah. or a hidden agenda behind an them. ulterior motive, ulterior right? Motive. Something like okay. Yeah. 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 But I was actually just thinking in terms of like this idea is that if it, let's think in more mundane terms so if you if you were that kind of character if you were the sort of clint eastwood man with no name you wanted to play that character you know had no ties at the yeah. same time you could think about you could build your own organization around the relationships you have with other people sure and each and those relationships are negotiated per person so you kind of have this sort of structure but you're building it yourself as a as a player and as a character Mm. okay i know i know this person whoever it is and i know this person and this person and you you create this kind of dynamic you know set of relationships that you effectively build yourself and your character but you choose at every uh, moment you know who you're making these connections I see. with yeah no, and that's a, that, no, i like that idea like the like if you if you want to become if you want 
to be become high, higher power in your cult. You need to build the cult because it's your <laughs> cult, your personal cult. Yeah. Right? Like the sure. the you know, a, a cult of personality or whatever, but it, the the idea is that you are the pointy tip of that spear and you are going to need to build all the rest of the spear along the way and you will, you know, you when you become the master, then you become the master, but at all points you are you are the head of that cult. Just maybe you don't have power yet because you don't have enough of an organization underneath you. That's if you wanted to be someone who's just completely independent or apparently independent. I mean, you know, it's one of the interesting things about this idea of, of independent that um, those things are <laughs> are really dependent on those characters are actually dependent on other people. Right. If, if you look at if you look at the narratives or the fiction around that, it's actually right. Just, right. You actually see. I mean, that's kind fictions. of. I mean, that's that's a very very old school way of of thinking about it. Like you know, very old school D and D. You get to name level and you get a you get a castle or something like that, right? Like, and then there would be hirelings and everybody that go along with that. And I I, I kind of like that idea actually. Mm. Um, mm. Like you you could start you start off as as you know, initiate or dedicate level uh, and, and there's nobody, but, and then one of the requirements for you to get to the next level is that you have to have five followers, yeah, right? Like five yeah. people who are following you and, or, or, and then the next level is, you know, 50 or something yeah. like that. Right. I mean, you could even, I mean, it could be, if you wanted like a, a more magical version of that would be, or a more magically infused version of that is, is, uh, say you finding a spirit, some yeah like a a fairly high powered spirit that could offer you things i don't know what they would be but well maybe you know if we look at the mithras model of spirits they they could they could potentially offer you spells or skills or traits even like spirit based traits but they you know you would not bind them but effectively you kind of you become their high the high priest right of that right. of that spirit it is just a spirit and that worshiping them, you know, you provide them with magic points. If yep. if 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 it's this kind of spirit, kind of existing in the in the mundane world or between the mundane and the spirit world, that they right, can... right. It, it it could be it could be a god, it could be a demon, it could be an ancestor spirit of some variety, yeah, right? Like yeah. there there's a lot that could you could twist that entity to give it the right flavor that you would need. And if you if you were doing that then another thing that you could do is then then this is where followers come in so then if you start to well the spirit then becomes more powerful the more followers that you can attract to this cult. yeah yeah <laughs> you know, yeah and a... and that's the more power that you get you get out of it and then it yes. then that filters in so you mean you go around and you tell people hey come and follow my spirit and you get some measure of power and you're not advertising, and then I get something out of it as well, right? Like this is sort of a a multi-level marketing scheme uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. version <laughs> version of it. I mean, <laughs> it sounds kind of dirty, but but it's kind of how it works. Yeah. Uh, yep. yep. Uh, that would be that would be a pretty that would be a pretty good thing to do. I have I have one player who would probably love to build a cult <laughs> like that. He'd be like, "Oh no, I'm all on that." Yeah. I am all on that. Yeah. Imagine uh, that he you would. Could... Yeah, you can, and that you could, you could theme it any how any way that you like. Um, you know, it could be, just think about all the different spirits and spells that you could, you could potentially kind of conjure up. That would be that would be a good thing for for the, like the GM and the right player to sit down. And it's like, okay, 
this is this is what the next level is look like and this is what the next level looks like and it kind of grows from there mm. that would be fun that would be that would be a really cool thing to do with a player uh i think between a player and a gm that would be really good yeah okay so how many how many different cults have we talked about here today i don't know probably 80 or something like that <laughs> I, it was it's been a lot why why hasn't tdm published a cult book do you think mm. Well, I asked, why haven't you published a book on cults? And for for those following this, we have notes that we send back and forth. We're suit, we're we're uh, we're not anywhere near as professional as Inwills. <laughs> um, we we literally open a Google document and write notes to each other um, to to kind of plan this out. And so he asked, why hasn't TDM published a cult book? But they do have like Monster Island, which has a, a metric ton of cults in it. And Thenla, if you look over all all of the Thenla books, there must be. 30 cults in there maybe 40 there's a lot it's a lot of uh, jonathan yeah. drake just went crazy with the with the cult structures and he manipulated them all over the place uh it's hard to hard to like you can't hardly throw a stick without hitting one in there i don't know how many does mythic constantinople have it's got to have 20 itself i don't know it's it's a bunch so why hasn't why hasn't tdm public done a specific cults book my my personal opinion is that the view is that cults are a structure of a setting putting out a whole bunch of cults may not make any sense because they're not associated with a setting yeah. and then i think the other part of it is that there there may be a legacy of 3.5e and and all of the ogl stuff that came out in the d you know the the d20 early d 2000s where there was just a, a pile of crap books from every publisher who wanted to get on that D20 OGL action. There, honestly, there was a lot of crap books, and so maybe they were like, "Oh, now nah, we don't want to do that. We we want to publish settings." And I can get that. This is this has led me to write up a whole bunch of example cults that are deliberately abstract and generic, um, but based on some concepts. Like you know, I went through and did a whole bunch of the 5e classes as cults, but I did you know I did them up in a very Mithrasy way. I use them as inspiration and do that sort of thing. And why haven't I published that? Because uh, I'm lazy. Uh, um, I don't know. I I put I put them on the web. Uh, I I like put I like put them on the web. I think ultimately that's what I like about it is putting them on the web and sharing it and and uh, mm -hmm. just having people enjoy it. I don't really necessarily need to get any money out of it, and it's not a career for me. I'm so inconsistent. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's still. I mean, I think. Fenler is a good answer it's like if you want to because i think it's a real it's a big question that that we see you know how how do cults work what you know where are the examples of of cults because i actually do want you know or, or brotherhoods or whatever you know there's not that many there's like a couple in the core book and monster island does have them but they're not they're not very attractive organizations to belong to if that's not the style that you're after but i mean but thendler is a good is a good answer to that it's packed full of different kinds of cults and you can if you've got thendler you can pretty much pull out a few of those cults and adjust it to whatever you it, it's not some, but it's not obvious that that's the place to look if you're looking for examples uh, yeah that's true that's true and 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 they are they are kind of scattered around a bit like yeah um if i remember correct crancho doesn't have any sorcery cults i think it has yeah. a lot of theism cults and i don't remember it having any animism but don't hold me to that 
Um, but the Task and Empire book has sorcery and animism and theism and often combined with each other. Like I know there's one cult in there that has is a martial theist and sorcery cult and there's different <laughs> branches of it. There's another one that's a theist cult, but it has a spell that allows you to discorporate, go to the spirit world and it had, deals with ancestors and whatnot. And there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of toying with that. Mm-hmm. Um, with that notion uh, of and how how cults work, so I mean, I would tell I would tell people if you want to see all of the cult examples, those are the those are the big books. If you want if you want to see something that's a little bit more stock, I would probably go with Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those cults are pretty straightforward, if I remember right. The one that always the one that stands out to folks is that there's there's mysticism cults in there, and some of them are are pretty pretty crazy um the the sufi cult in there is quite potent and sure would be quite attractive to many folks that are you know playing want to play jedis or whatnot mythic britain doesn't have a bunch it only has a couple not at all Uh, well it has i mean well it has one christianity so it has christianity and the veneration of saints and it has the well it has the 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 celtic druidism the, you know, the Celtic animism, and then there's the Saxon one as well. And then in the companion, there is the cult of Mithras. Yeah. And I think that's it. Like, I think that's all yeah. of them. Yeah. Anyways, guys, we've, uh, we've talked for a little more than an hour about cults. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up mm-hmm. and get off to our, uh, get off to our respective days. Um, as always, uh, we're on the discord uh, and we have pretty robust conversations on there. Uh, as of this morning, this should timestamp us a lot. Uh, there was new stuff for for Destined is coming. Destined's out now. We're pretty excited for that. At least I am. I don't know about Bill. I haven't asked him about Destined at all. So <laughs> I had fun playing. I had fun playing it at uh, Gen Con last yeah, year. You, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I I got it. I got it this morning. So. Did you? Okay. I, I, I did, yeah. I mean, I think it is yeah. on, it's on general re- Well, no, it's not a general release. It's on... It's PDM released. store first, right? Right, yeah. So in a few days, it'll, it's on drive through. so... Yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. It seems to be working. Good deal. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you later. Have a good one. Um, we... Yeah. I think we're going to have another podcast on uh, Magic Systems. Yeah. That's such a bear. And we have another, we have another one, I think, planned as well. Um... Yeah, yeah. It still needs to be fleshed out, so. (laughs) All right, cool. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone.